The Cannabis Conversation. A European perspective on the emerging legal cannabis industry. Welcome to the Cannabis Conversation with Anuj Desai, where we explore the new legal cannabis industry by speaking to the professionals that are helping to shape it. On today's show, I have Matt Hawkins. Matt is managing partner and founder of Entourage Effect Capital. Entourage is a US VC fund focused on the cannabis industry. Matt, welcome. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. No, real pleasure. How are you today? I'm doing just fine, thanks. Good. Loads to talk about. So maybe tell us a bit about your background and what led you to start Entourage and get involved in the cannabis space. Sure. I've been in private equity for over 25 years in various forms and fashions. I've been with an institutional fund, a family office. I've raised several funds and special purpose vehicles for direct investments on my own. I had a timely exit in 2014, which led me to the next foray and chapter of my career. And one of the things I had done in the downturn was private lending. And in 2014 is obviously when the landscape change and legalized cannabis with Colorado, Oregon, the state of Washington, all going adult use legal. And in Denver, there was a, a rush from warehouse owners looking to refinance their mortgages to get out of commercial debt into private debt so they could then lease their facilities to, to cannabis growers. Uh, at the time, I didn't know much, much of anything about the industry, but they were paying good yields. So I made a loan or two and but my luck and timing moment was when I realized that the yields would likely dry up on the real estate side, but the actual opportunity for investing through private equity vehicles in the cannabis sector itself would be would be robust because I figured there'd be a dearth of capital due to the federal illegality. And so, so what we did, we put together a first fund and then we raised our second, now we're raising our third, and uh, we've got 65 investments you know, we're pretty happy with where we are right now. Cool. And you said you didn't know much about cannabis before. When you first started to consider it, were there any issues that you were facing in terms of the stigma? Sure. I mean, heck, I live in Dallas, Texas. You kidding me? This is a conservative <laughs> state. And when I was telling people in 14 what I was doing, they looked at me like I had like three heads. So it was uh, it's pretty crazy. So yeah, it was, I had a lot of, in fact, I had a lot of professionals sit me down and say, are you really sure about this? You're going to damage your reputation. And I just knew that if I stuck with it and had some success that, you know, we'd, I'd overcome that. And sure enough, the, some of those people that talked to me about it in 14 negatively are now, have now invested in fund three. Right. Fantastic. So why don't we talk a bit about what Entourage does? What's your strategy? Where are you focusing on those sort of things? Sure. Historically, we've been an investor that has tried to bring diversification to our investors, which are primarily high net worth individuals and family offices. So it's our belief that if you haven't invested in the industry, the best thing to do is to use a fund concept to give you that you know, shotgun approach versus a rifle approach or else you'll get burned. And we've, you know, because we've been in the industry as long as we have, I like to say we know where the bodies are buried and we know uh, where all the landmines are. So from that standpoint, it's been, we've certainly had our bumps and bruises, but we do know where to where to look for the right deals. And fund three will be slightly different in that it's a lot larger than what we've raised previously. And we'll be looking to make, you know, 
transformative investments to you know effectuate M and A activity or scale building opportunities for you know some of the middle to larger size companies that are in the space. So the it'll be more traditional you know growth capital acquisition financing versus the you know gosh seed stage investing in fund one and the series a investing in fund two in terms of sectors or subsectors really are you across the whole value chain or are there specific areas you focus on we're pretty agnostic i would say we we probably gravitate to everything above cultivation i mean if there is a obviously we we like vertically integrated plays but it's not a uh, but, but straight cultivation is tricky you, you never want to catch that falling knife on a on a commodity which is what obviously we're trending towards if not already there hmm. yeah and are you do you get involved in the science and the medical side of things as well we do uh, fund 2 has a pretty broad scope of investments from biosynthesis to you know some of the different technologies out there for you know genetics and cloning we also are in the you know supply chain management software business on the in the cannabis space but but you know we're also Heck, we were early investors in GTI. We were early investors in EBU, which sold uh, uh, Canopy Growth, early investors in Acreage when it was High Street Capital. So, you know, we had a, one of the Florida licenses that sold uh, Ianthus. Luckily, we, we we sold that a long time ago. So, yeah, we've been, you know, we, we've been across the board from, you know, just, you know, the multi-state operator operating model to all the way down to, uh, like I said, like biosynthesis and other kind of step out type categories. Yeah. And do you get involved in any of the industrial hemp side of things? Not really. I mean, once the farm bill passed, the straight, you know, hemp-based CBD sector got pretty tricky just because the FDA hasn't provided any guidance, real guidance yet. So it's the wild, wild west. You can cross state lines, you know, with the product, but yet you don't know what you can and can't say. And so, you know, we like the the protections that are there and the moat that's, that's built around, you know, the licensing model state to state for THC. Cool. And so how many, you know, how many portfolio companies do you currently have under your? Well, throughout the whole, our whole ecosystem, which like I said, comprises two funds and a whole bunch of different sidecars and uh, special purpose entities, there's, you know, 65 investments and like, and then fund three, we'll probably add another 20 or so. And, you know, that would give us a pretty substantial number of, of, in terms of assets under management at that point. Yeah, that's quite a big family you got there. <laughs> well, some were, you know, we're, we're more active in some than others. Some were, you know, we're minority investors in, in most of them. But in some cases, we are um, we're active minority investors. Like our larger positions, obviously, we have some you know, board seats or enough belts and suspenders there to make sure that we can effectuate change and guidance when necessary. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting area, actually. How active do you get in terms of management of the businesses and supporting the entrepreneurs? Sure. Well, our model is to, I mean, we back good management teams. I mean, that's really the, at the core of what our, what our private equity model was or is, excuse me. And, but we are certainly able to come in when we need to, like we have executed two turnarounds to date where we actually, you know, effectively took over the company. So from that standpoint, it's a, it's a little bit different that than some of the other models out there that are, you know, are just buyout shops, for example, that, that really like to bring in their own management. So, yeah, so we're, we're comfortable with this model. I think the good news is that for cannabis, you know, there's more and better operators entering the space every day. So you can, you know, look at track records of them outside the space. And in a lot of cases, there's, 
enough successful operators in the space, you can look at their track records both outside and inside the, the cannabis space. Yeah, it's a really interesting aspect, which I suppose is more prevalent in a more sophisticated, more mature market like like the North American market where you've got exactly a potential track record, whereas it doesn't really exist in Europe at the moment, I don't think. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we're just a couple of steps ahead of Europe. I mean, Europe is, you know, not far behind. We've got actually a, a, a substantial investment in the Netherlands that could provide, could be a be- good beachhead for us as because they're about to enter Germany. So we, we keep a, a strong eye on that. We're, we're contemplating putting some dedicated capital outside of Fund 3 into the uh, into the European space. But it's, you know, it's tricky. It's just a matter of where do we spend our time and resources. And, and it's, you know, hopefully we will have enough bench strength to, to, to focus on Europe when the time is right. Yeah, there's positive movements, but similar to the US, you know, there's a lot of regulatory hurdles to sort of harmonize and sort out. So, you know, I think everyone's working on that quite hard. Exactly, exactly. And so when you talked about management, you know, that you, you kind of back good management teams, at what sort of stage do you guys get involved? You know, at C, do you get involved at seed, pre-revenue, or do you need to see a track record first? Yeah, so we have matured along with the industry. So in 14, when we were making investments. There, The only thing that was out there were angel investing. So, you know, back then, $500,000 could move the needle on these startups. And so that's what we did. And we hit some pretty big home runs, but we also, it was more venture capital. We also had some goose eggs. Fund two is different. Fund two was more series A. There were a few further along companies that actually had some, you know, EBITDA that, that was, you know, it's always nice to be able to get the right valuation on profitable companies. And we were able to do that. And fund three is going to be even further down the road just because we're writing bigger checks, as I mentioned, and we're going to be, you know, probably doing more growth capital investing for to really provide the you know the rocket fuel for these companies to take the next step and and create scale all in advance of likely quasi legalization within the next three to five years Hmm. and that's the whole trick is if we and we have enough and it's not like i'm giving away our secret sauce because we like i said with the 65 companies we have and the relationships we have in the industry we are better equipped to go out and, and build that scale within the existing companies in the industry to be attractive to institutional capital, big pharma, tobacco, alcohol, spirits, nutraceuticals, CPG companies, you name it, when they all are coming in this with full force once the NASDAQ and New York Stock Exchange open up, which, you know, I mean, there's some people that think that that could happen as soon as the when the Safe Banking Act passes the, the Senate, which could happen, if we're lucky, sometime in 21. Wow. I mean, given the unpredictability of, you know, legislative change, do you bake that into your strategy in terms of how you look at companies? No, but and we never have. But quite honestly, at this point, it's it's so undeniable that we'd be foolish not to. I think the stats are one in three of Americans now live in a adult use legal state and over 50 percent of Americans live in a in a robust medicinal state. I mean, look, the Moore Act, you know, while it's flawed, is still a step, you know, in a good direction. And that's going to pass the House pretty easily, it looks like. It won't reach the Senate. I mean, the Senate won't even, McConnell probably won't even let it get voted on. But nevertheless, we're at the point now where we're trying to, you know, go as fast as we can to build that scale and and in advance of all these legislative changes that likely will happen. And if they don't, if it's another, I mean, heck, if it's another five to 10 years, I mean, that's okay too, because the industry is is undeniable and its growth is undeniable. And, And COVID has proven to be 
a boom for the industry in that we've actually converted a, a pretty significant portion of the illicit market just because we're safer. And you know, we've got delivery and curbside pickup and masks, social distancing. Well, that's a heck of a lot safer than going and buying it from the street corner guy. And not to mention all the different protocols. With, I mean, look, we've had all these scares over the past couple of years with the vape crisis and whatnot, but I think it's always comes back and points to this is a, the regulated legalized industry is, is much, much safer than the illicit one. And I think it's, and in a time of a pandemic, people even realize that even more than they would otherwise. Yeah. And I think you make an interesting point because uh, the growth rates are impressive alone at the current trajectory. So I guess if it further opens up, that's going to be a bonus. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, you mentioned you've had some great results. You've also had a, some slightly less welcome results. Care to mention any of the sort of learnings that you got from some of the mistakes? I don't get, you don't really call them mistakes, but, you know, the things that haven't worked out quite as well. Sure. I mean, I think the biggest mistake that we made early on was, A, not recognizing how much capital some of these companies would need to be successful, and then B, not being able to provide that capital, even if uh, even if we did recognize that, because we didn't. You know, the first fund was, you know, we had a $10 million fund with a $20 million kind of a side pocket, and then fund two was $60 million, and, you know, now we're raising a, a substantially larger third fund. But money is not unlimited, and we're not the only ones. I mean, look, we're, we're one of several capital providers in the industry and, and cap there, there's a dearth of capital and there will be until institutional capital comes into play. So I can sit here and say that we learned our lesson, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we can make it better because we can't just create money out of thin air for this industry. Yeah. And how much of it is talent within the industry? A big portion. There's no question early on there wasn't enough talent. And I think that we probably got too enamored with what we thought was good talent in the beginning just because it was a shiny new object and our under right now on management teams is, is a lot more stringent than it was back then. So that, that's a, that's a fair point that we learned that lesson too. Yeah. And hopefully it's in, it's improving over time. So as your name is the entourage effect, how important is the family aspect of the fund? And do you cross pollinate? Do you stimulate business within your portfolio between your portfolio businesses? Sure. Good question. Just give you a little historical background on us. I mean, what's interesting is we started out, in 14 as Cresco Capital Partners and Cresco Latin for grow. And next thing I know, I'm friends with the guys at Cresco Labs. I'm like, wait a minute, we have the same damn name. And we were getting confused with one another. We have no connection to the fact that we're in the industry and we're in the capital providing business there in the multi-state operating business. And so we just got tired of getting confused. So we changed the name a year and a half ago, I think, to Entourage Effect Capital because it, to your point, it does encapsulate the, you know, what we're all about and, you know, the entourage effect in the industry, you know, obviously is, you know, the interaction of the THC and CBD and other cannabinoids to give, you know, healing benefits to the end user. And so we thought that was a perfect name. And because to your point, we do provide, you know, help and guidance to uh, our family of companies. And in some cases we cross pollinate's not the word, but we certainly look to create scale within our portfolio. So if that means that we want to bring another company that's outside of the of the family into the family and we find current portfolio companies that could that could bolt on to those to those companies, well, of course we're going to do that. And you know, our third fund has a, a limited partner advisory committee that helps us navigate the potential conflicts that could arise. But at the end of the day, this is a, a high class problem. And we have 
even when we don't have large investment to some of these companies because of our industry experience and how many companies that we are that we work with they lean on us and they look to us they look for you know and so we're able to say hey if you looked at this company this makes sense for you or, or hey let me introduce you to this company i think you should put on your shelves or you know or hey what about this manufacturing company have you thought about them as you know advanced extraction methods i mean things like that that we because of how long we've been doing this and just because of how big we've gotten, I mean, we'd be fools not to do that. That's the benefit to taking our capitals. We're not just capital. We're, we're, we bring a lot more than that to the table, which is important in this, in a, in a cottage industry like this. Yeah, absolutely. Great to hear. Great to hear. Cool. Okay. Well, that's talking about entourage. Maybe we'll talk about something a bit topical. There was a slightly large event that happened in the US a few weeks ago, the elections. Not mm-hmm. to get into the political side of things, but a clear winner from the election was, was cannabis. How have you sort of seen that in terms of the, the various states that sort of come online? Yeah, I mean, I think everybody, you know, everybody was looking for the, uh, the blue wave. And it, what's funny is it's kind of turned into be the green wave and that it's, you know, you had the, every state that was on the you know, every initiative was on the ballot for, you know, New Jersey, Arizona, South Dakota, and Montana. Am I missing one? I think that's it. Anyway, but nevertheless, they all passed with flying colors. It just shows you how bipartisan the support is, as I mentioned the stats earlier. So, yeah, that was a big deal for the industry. I mean, New Jersey and Arizona are just are obviously huge markets, and that's great for the industry. You know, I think not to get into the political conversation, but Obviously, uh, a Biden-Harris administration at least brings more, oh, I don't know, visibility to the industry just because they're willing to, to comment on it. You know, Trump really wasn't, didn't really get in the way. He just, he just, he just stayed out of the way, really, but just didn't comment much on it. I mean, at the beginning, it was rough when Jeff Sessions was the uh, attorney general. But once they kind of, once he pushed him out, it, it was really just, I mean, the federal government was just hands off. They're just like, look, just keep it within your state, don't cross lines and everybody's going to be just fine. So that, that's kind of the way and it'll continue that way until there's more legislative movement. But I think that we're just going to get more attention, which is good. And were you surprised by the, the green wave? Like, were you surprised at how kind of no. wholehearted it was? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it, I mean, again, it's, it's undeniable. You can go in every major city in the nation, if not in, in smaller towns too. And you just, the stigma has gone. I mean, it's, it's just is, I mean, you know, you can go to a cocktail party and there's people handing out, you know, edibles. I mean, it's just, it's, it, people don't care anymore. It's just, it's, it's, and then obviously with all the medicinal benefits too, that every day people uncover, it's just, it's there. It's not going away. I think even, and again, with COVID, not only did I talk about the safety aspects of it, but Let's face it, every single level of federal of government from the federal government down to the municipal levels has shortfalls in their budgets now due to due to COVID. I mean, at the local and state level, there's sales tax shortages at the federal government. There's obviously with all the stimulus money going out. I mean, they need new sources of revenue. So even conservatives that aren't necessarily way, way, way far right are seeing the benefit of this. I mean, this this exists. It's there. Why not tax and regulate it? It just doesn't make sense to not do it. And in the meantime, you likely decrease crime too. Yeah, there's obviously a lot of positive implications of it. So where do you see it going from here? And the other big states like New York and those coming online would obviously be a big thing. But are there? Do you think intrastate commerce and sorting that out would be useful? Yeah, I, I think it's a long time away. I think you know New York, 
Connecticut. I mean, all, I, I still think it's even with I mean, my my personal opinion is that something like the States Act passes, which would just the federal government would you know basically remove the the federal illegality and let states operate on a state by state basis. Kind of, I mean, very similar to what you know alcohol alcohol laws are, are state based, really. I mean, and so in terms of how how their value chain works, and so. At some point, it'll cross state lines. I don't think it'll happen right away because I don't think you're going to, a lot of these states aren't going to want to give away their revenue. I mean, California is not going to want their their companies to buy raw material from elsewhere. And then they also don't want it, raw material going to other states. I mean, they want to keep it within. And so there's going to be some of that pushback from the states that are already in play. And that's okay. I mean, it's the only downside is that it's it's harder to build a, you know, a national brand when you can't cross state lines. but but it's already getting them. I mean, you're starting to see some successful brands going from one state to the other. And it's, I think that'll continue. Yeah. And what, and what would you see as the major potential roadblocks? Is it individuals like McConnell, for example, or are there any other big things that might much slow progress? Yeah. I mean, clearly you would hope that Mitch McConnell at some point would just realize that, you know, even his own constituents would probably support him at least taking the conversation to the floor of the Senate. If you, when you just sit there and unilaterally say no, it really just, just doesn't do a whole lot, you know, for me. But, and, and I think it'll get there, especially with the, I mean, depending on what happens in Georgia, I mean, I'm not going to speculate on if one or both, you know, obviously the Democrats need both to control the the Senate, but even if that doesn't happen, I still think the the lessening of the majority, you know, will get the Republicans' attentions to, to at least work more on a bipartisan level. And quite frankly, I would just, I mean, look, and then now we're getting to politics, which I hate getting into, but I would just hope that over the, I mean, regardless of what your politics are, the past four years have been miserable with the he said, she says nonsense from both parties. I mean, at some point, they're going to have to get back to square one and just say, can we at least just try to work together? And if, if that happens... I mean, I would challenge anybody to tell me what is a more, you know, bipartisan friendly issue than what this is, because both sides can say, I want it legalized for this reason. And, you know, I mean, the, the far left would say, well, there's social implications for it and the, and the justice reform. Then also the, the right can say, well, I want more revenue. And they're both there. So just shut up and go do it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's very unifying message. And do you think medical kind of sits in the middle there because everyone needs healthcare, really? Absolutely. I mean, I think there's there's no question that I think they that both the Republicans may say that, you know, well, medical cannabis needs to be researched further and all that. And you know, that's where I just kind of that's where I go tone deaf and say, for Christ's sake, people, just get in a room and figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cool. So as we draw to the end, I just, uh, you know, obviously you've got a huge amount of experience in this area. What would your advice for entrepreneurs be that are looking at this area? That are entrepreneurs that are looking to enter the space or have entered the space and looking for Both, actually. That's a good distinction. Yeah. It's a tough one. I mean, obviously in the legalized, I mean, it's, as the states grow, it also depends on where you live. I mean, if you're lucky enough to live in a state where it just passed, go get a license. You know, I mean, invest your time and money, your own money or, you know, raise friends and family money, go get a license. And, you know, that has value. And so that 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 to me has always been the and those types of entrepreneurs really align themselves well with folks like us because they're putting their sweat equity and their own money at play at first. So that that's obviously one area. 
The others are, you know, if you're an entrepreneur and you're having some success in what you're doing, go out and try to find someone else that's doing the same thing and, and merge your companies, create scale on your own. Because you're going to be more attractive to folks like us or even in the end game, somebody that wants to just take you out. Fantastic. Yeah. Good. Well, thank you. You bet. Matt, that's been really good and brilliant overview of what you guys do and the upshot from the election in terms of cannabis. So, yeah, thank you for all of that. Absolutely. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Thanks, Matt.